This is our number two of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we take a look at the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Later on in this hour, probably in the next segment, actually certainly in the next segment, barring some sort of uh, massive catastrophe, we'll be taking a look at uh, the week that was Hillary Clinton's campaign in our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016, specifically the new revelations regarding the Clinton Foundation and the what some are calling a scandal involving that, including Donald Trump's call for an independent prosecutor. But before we do that, Leah, there's one other aspect of the apparent immigration betrayal, for lack of a better term, uh, that Donald Trump is in the process of doing as he transitions from the primary campaign, which was his signature issue and the reason why he got the traction that he did to begin with. Without this, there's no traction, okay? There's no Donald Trump nomination without the issue of illegal immigration, without the wall, without the ban on Muslims, without the deportation force, none of that. And now here we're told by the campaign manager, alleged campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, oh, we shouldn't worry about this. It's a quote. I don't know if you saw this one, Leah. We yeah, it's from should, nine months ago no, or we, something. He hasn't talked about the deportation for since November, which, by the way, I doubt is true. I, I I very sincerely doubt that you know when he was off the teleprompter in these rallies, because remember, his shtick is whenever the crowd gets bored, he starts talking about the wall. So I doubt very seriously in the last eight, nine months, he has never once talked about deporting illegal aliens. Um, well, oh, and by the way, just for the record, I never believed Mexico was going to pay for it. Well, gee, I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you for that, Leah. That makes me feel so much better. You must be crazy. When are you George going to Bush. stop believing in something that isn't true? Right. George Bush couldn't get the wall built. We passed the money through Congress. Okay. It was a done deal. Okay. And they sat on their butts and didn't right. build it. Okay. All right. So we could talk about the, the specifics of all this for the rest of the program. My guess is we'll have plenty of opportunity to do so because eventually Trump is going to sort of pseudo outline his betrayal in a way that will make everybody feel just fantastic, I'm sure. It's, gonna, it's been postponed. We don't know. Possibly two weeks. <laughs> two weeks? Yes. <laughs> Possibly. Well, I, I'm sure that his his base, this will be the reaction to his speech, no matter what he says. Everything is awesome. All right, there, there we go. That's the way the Trumpsters will respond to whatever Donald Trump says on virtually uh, anything. And regardless of, by the way, what his poll numbers are. But there's one other aspect to this, which I find fascinating and that I definitely want to mention. And that is that it all coincides not only with Kellyanne Conway being elevated to campaign manager, and I'm oh, not- that's right. She's no longer spokesperson. That must have been when I was betting on California Chrome. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, the thing about Kellyanne Conway is she was a Cruz Super PAC person. Yes. And, and, and frankly, I've, I've always looked at Kellyanne Conway as like a D-list, maybe on her best day, C-list conservative commentator guest. And here she is a pollster, and now she's the campaign manager. Yeah. I, just, I, I haven't bought that at all, but... In conjunction with Paul Manafort getting the ouster because he's basically a Russian agent, as if that's a problem. I mean, it's just this whole thing is so crazy. So Manafort gets bounced because, you know, the idea that he's working for for Russia 
uh, is unseemly enough, I guess, for Trump. So he replaces Manafort with two people, Kellyanne Conway and with Steve Bannon, who was running Breitbart.com. He took that over for my old ex-friend, now now late uh, Andrew Breitbart. And so Steve Bannon is the CEO. Now, what's amazing about this, Leah, is that Bannon becomes, he leaves Breitbart, which was, you know, the, the propaganda internet machine for the, the Trump campaign. It's very, very anti-illegal immigration. Now, every other Republican other than Trump is a sellout on the issue. Uh, and so, you know, this is this is basically their number one issue is illegal immigration is Breitbart. So Bannon leaves to become the CEO. It coincides exactly Exactly with this apparent betrayal, which makes no sense if he really has any power. I'm talking about Bannon here. Right. So, so how is it that he's the CEO of the campaign and immediately after he takes his position, Trump appears to be betraying his number one issue? And then not only that, but the New York Post, which is effectively Trump's newspaper. It's owned by Rupert Murdoch, but they've been incredibly pro-Trump. This is the newspaper that mysteriously, not once, but two days in a row, published front-page nude photos of Melania Trump, including her in a lesbian pose, and Trump had no problem with it, which tells you it came from Trump because there's no other explanation why the New York Post... Right, right, right. Okay, but here's the thing. So this week, the New York Post comes out first, although not exclusively, but they did come out first, with the details of Steve Bannon's divorce in which he allegedly assaulted his ex-wife and made anti-Semitic comments. Now, that has to be approved by Donald Trump to be in the New York Post. So what the living hell is going on here? It it almost feels like the only logic I can come up with, Leah, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Trump knew This is actually giving him too much credit, probably, but this is the only way I can make any sense out of this. Trump knew he needed cover for this immigration betrayal, so he snookered Steve. he set him up? Yes, he totally set up Steve Bannon. He completely set... That's the only way I can make any sense out of this. As if that would take his immigration? No, no, no. The idea (sighs) is that that to to the core of the core, the Breitbart, followers, right? The Drudge, Breitbart, anti-immigration people, they can't conceive of Trump betraying them to begin with. They especially can't conceive of Trump betraying them on this issue, and they especially can't if Steve Bannon is the CEO of the campaign. Okay, all right. I got all that. Right, so, so if Bannon's your CEO, it gives you more leeway, it gives you more cover to betray the base on illegal immigration. Now, the, the issue of Ugh. of leaking his, his divorce is, I don't even get it. I, I I mean, frankly, it's the first thing, and I, I tweeted this out half jokingly, it's the first thing that made me think maybe I should support Trump because if he's that smart, that Machiavellian, and he's screwing Steve Bannon, who I do not like, you know what? Second look at Donald Trump. <laughs> Because because that is outstanding. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I gotta tell you, Ziggler, I think you're thinking about this stuff way too much. So what much. do you so what's really going on there? How do you explain the New York Post 
doing doing a hit job on Steve Bannon. And by the way, just for the record, I, I don't like Steve Bannon. I had dinner with him. I think he used me. I think he stabbed me in the back. I think he's a he's a, a big fraud and phony like most people in the right wing uh, conspiracy are in the in the conservative media racket. But and I don't know anything about him, but everything that I have read about him from other people, uh, he's like one of these name droppers. Yes. He's like Donald Trump on steroids. He's a wannabe. He's a wannabe, which is right. why Trump knows Bannon is stuck. Bannon is in love with that title, uh, you know, that he's finally got real supposed power and relevance. He ain't going to leave the camp. CEOs of campaigns, by the way. <laughs> right, exactly. But, but by the way, just for the record on the divorce thing, there is nothing less credible. The news, the, the idea that the news is taking seriously something in a divorce filing from the 1990s. I'm sorry, in a contested divorce, your spouse or ex-spouse is going to say whatever the hell they want. They can say anything they want in that. It doesn't mean it's true. Now, do I believe right. it? It's quite possibly true, but that's not proof that it actually happened, all right? But, you know, but, I think the New York Post, I'm not sure, are you, uh, is it possible you're giving it a little too much weight? I mean, that thing's like a rag. No, no, but Leah, it's you're, like the you're not, Inquirer. You're, you're not, you're not seeing the big picture here. I don't. Well, think the, you're, big no, 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 the big picture is you picture think is, that Donald Trump has to approve everything that yeah. comes out in it. Again, oh, hold on, maybe a not. Oh, whoa, 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 Leah, Leah, the New York Post. Unless they have complete, unless Rupert Murdoch has sent down word that we are now switching our position on Donald Trump dramatically. There's no evidence of that. It's possible, but unless that's happened. There is no way the New York Post is going with with BS stories, hit jobs on the CEO of the Trump campaign unless Trump at least has said okay. There's no way because to your point, the New York Post is not credible. It is a tabloid, but it's a pro-Trump tabloid. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. So, so there, this is I'm trying to make sense of it. And it doesn't make any sense, but yeah. my guess is if we if we keep our eyes open, as we always say, the truth is going to come out eventually. And there's a story there, I can guarantee it. All right, when we come back, Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. I urge you to go to freespeechbroadcasting.com and check out my most recent columns for Mediate, including columns on several of the subjects that we have already discussed and will continue to discuss uh, during this edition of the John and Leah show. The next topic up is one that I have to say Leah Brandon has been dead on correct regarding for about a year now. It's the Clinton Foundation and what its apparent uh, purposes were and have been and maybe will continue to be. There were some developments on that front this week. Leah, give us an update. Okay, so uh, this week, the Associated Press revealed, uh, I believe it came in a tweet, the results of an investigation into visitors that were allowed FaceTime with Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. The tweet, and I'm paraphrasing, said that more than half of the people who met with Hillary Clinton over a specific two-year period of time were donors to the Clinton Foundation. In other words, 
a pay-to-play scheme. Now, the campaign struck back very hard, pressuring the Associated Press to either delete or retract the tweet. They didn't do it. On top of that, this week, we learned that the FBI found 15,000 more emails that Hillary Clinton's State Department did not turn over to them during the investigation. Judicial Watch also releasing more than 700 pages of State Department documents that clearly show Cheryl Mills, the top aide to Hillary Clinton, gave expedited and direct access to the Secretary of State if they were donors. Donald Trump immediately called for the foundation to be shut down, and that's not all. The amounts involved, the favors done, and the significant number of times it was done require an expedited investigation by a special prosecutor immediately, immediately, immediately. Okay, now, there are... (laughs) Ziegler, this is the most confusing thing because it seems like every time I turn around, we're finding tens of thousands of more emails Mm -hmm. that either the State Department didn't turn over or the FBI all of a sudden has or Judicial Watch has. There are all of these emails out there that were never investigated that a federal judge has now said some of them need to be turned over in September, whereas the State Department wanted to wait until December 30th. (laughs) That's helpful. That was a great idea. Now, as far as the Clinton Foundation, uh, you and I both, but you've been more vocal about it than I have. um, I knew from day one. That that, that the foundation was really just a vehicle for the Clintons to to get blackmail money from uh, foreign leaders or, or potentially uh, people in domestically who wanted access to the Secretary of State. Now, th- there's a couple of things, though, Leah. Uh, and I realize that as a conservative show, we're not allowed to talk about the facts anymore. But there is a couple of pro- there are a couple of problems with Trump's attack here. Trump donated at least $100,000 to the Clinton Foundation. Now right. he already admitted that. Okay, I, so that changed, so that so that somehow I mean, that, gives, that was part of his platform uh, when he was running in the primary was to say, "Hey, look, I'm, I'm much as a scumbag too. Right, I'm, a, right. I'm a, such a scumbag. I know how it's all the these other scumbags doing business. work. I want to change. Yeah, it. I don't buy that. I'm sorry. Um, that, that just because you're a crook too doesn't mean oh uh, that means that uh, you know you're better than the other crook. You gave at least a hundred. The, the the terminology was a hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the Clinton Foundation. So in a rational world, right there, that should silence Donald Trump. Okay, fine. You want to try to get around that with your your mental your your verbal gymnastics. That's fine. The other aspect, though, and we'll continue. No, I mean that was like he said that during the campaign. That doesn't that make was, it. Don't you remember? Yeah, but Leah, that's not a valid excuse. It's hypocrisy. You gave a hundred thousand dollars at least to a corrupt organization because apparently you wanted access to the same person that you're not criticizing other people wanted access to. Right. But the other thing is, I need it, and the voters need a smoking gun, which doesn't appear yet to exist. We'll talk more about this and lots more coming up next on the John and Leah Show. 
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. There you can check out each and every one of the 24 different radio stations which carry the John and Leah show on a weekly basis as well as a whole bunch of other content, including all my most recent columns for Mediate, several of which relate directly to the subject matter of the program. Uh, Leah, I want to continue on this issue of the Clinton Foundation, which you know you and I both agree was a scam. It was obviously set up as a way for the Clintons to get paid because yeah. because if you believe Hillary, you know when she left office or when she and Bill left office, they were broke. Remember that, right? Uh, and now all of a sudden they're super rich. Not that by the way, there's any allegation that they're directly pocketing. The money, but it effectively it, it pays all their expenses. So indirectly, of course, so, so, all their travel, <laughs> right? So indirectly, you know, they, they're able to pocket everything else because the foundation effectively pays all their expenses and only and, gives ten percent to charity. Well, hello. Uh, well, <laughs> see again. I wish we had a candidate that could argue on that because. We have no idea what Donald Trump has really given to charity. He won't release his taxes. It's very scant. There's almost no evidence he's given anything to charity. But uh, his, that doesn't matter. They give 10% to charity. So I, what kind of a charity organization I, is it yeah, really? But, but Trump's Trump's foundation is, is, for all we know, no better. It could be worse. And by the way, I, I from what I can tell, that 10% number uh, is in dispute. But okay, whatever. I, I, I realize that. I'm not allowed to dispute anything that's bad about Hillary Clinton because that's the new rule in the conservative media now. So if it's if it's if it's if it's out there, it doesn't matter if it's Alex Jones. It, it's true if it makes Hillary. I don't get look any bad. information from Alex I, I Jones. I, FYI, I didn't suggest that <laughs> that you did, Leah. I'm just talking about in general. We're living in a very bizarre world now, where where you're not allowed to defend the truth when it comes to Hillary Clinton. And the, by the way, here's the other really, the more important truth, because this relates to who's going to win the election. And I said time and time again, when it comes to these emails, you need a obvious, direct, clear cut smoking gun. And you need a smoking gun that not only proves the scandal actually impacted something, you need it to be in a way that's sexy in a way that the media can't ignore. And we haven't had that yet. Because she deleted with her lawyers. Stop it. Stop it. Then why are we seeing all these emails? Leah, that that, that doesn't make any damn sense. If, if, if If the argument is that they... They somehow expunged all the emails from the record. Then why do we have these showing an indication of pay for play? Why weren't these eliminated, Leah? Come well, I don't on. know. Judicial Watch no. had to go to court to get that doesn't them. Mean they weren't the erased. State Department. They weren't erased. James Comey. Oh my God. You're saying she didn't erase anything? No, what I'm saying is... Trey Gowdy is lying that they used the special eraser so that even God couldn't see it? So then why weren't these erased? Why weren't weren't the emails to which we're referring that made news this week involving the Clinton Foundation, 
Why weren't these erased? So are th- Well, we do know that there were several servers that were used. Uh-huh. So I don't know if these are from a specific server or not. I don't have these answers, Ziggler. Okay. All I'm I- saying is anyone with any common sense can look at this uh-huh. and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nothing big <laughs> happened. I mean, that's when I look at this, I go, here, here my two reactions are, okay, uh, this is not shocking at all. You mean if you you give a lot of money to someone's foundation, they're going to pass along an email or they're going to maybe meet with you or they're going to you're going to get access to the people you gave money to. By the way, not only is this not a not anything remotely shocking, this is the way the world works. If Donald Trump was ever in a position of authority, which he's never been, which is why we don't have the same uh, evidence of scandal involving him, believe me, if he had actually served in public office, it would be just as bad, if not worse. This is exactly how Donald Trump would be handling things. Okay. This this is the way his- All right. (laughs) Okay. You win. No, wait a minute. I'm serious. There's nothing here to see. Move along. Where, where, where is... Hold on. See, this This drives me batty because you're not allowed to talk about the truth. The you're, smoking gun, Ziggler, what is, the, is gun? the server in her basement. Okay. Which she should have been prosecuted for, and he whipped out and didn't do it. Uh-huh. And, and why did... And so James Comey is in on a big conspiracy then, I guess. Is, is that what you're suggesting? That this was all this is all big conspiracy to protect Hillary Clinton? Look, I mean, I think she technically broke the law. Absolutely, she did. Whether it was the right idea, it would have been a good idea to prosecute a the Democratic presidential nominee over a, a fairly minor offense. Uh, I, I, you know, that's that reasonable people can differ and, over that. And why didn't but, they have but, these but where, emails? All where I keep, were they? All why I, weren't they all, given to the hold FBI on a second. Hold to on a investigate? Second. Stop it. Okay, I. Fully acknowledge that Hillary is as much of a liar and as corrupt as any conservative does, and I've and I've spent enormous amounts of time on two different movies that are anti-Clinton movies. My my anti-Hillary street cred is as good or better than almost anybody's. It's a hell of a lot better than Donald Trump's. I can tell you that up until uh, you know t- uh, twelve months ago. But but here's the deal: I'm looking at this from who's going to win the election standpoint, and there is no smoking gun. There's no proof at all. In fact, in the emails that came out this week, there's actually indications that they didn't do anything for these people. A couple there's actually an email from uh from Hillary's assistant, no action necessary in in, in passing on a request from a from a a donor. So unless and until we can prove that there is actual action that took place because somebody was a donor to the foundation. Now, I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm not naive. I'm as cynical as all hell. But unless and until you got that, you don't have squat when it comes to impacting the election. And even then, you might have, not have squat because the news media is gonna is so in the tank for Hillary. They'll do their best to report it for one day and move on. Unless, as I've said a million times, it's an email involving Beyonce, Taylor Swift, or Katy Perry. Then... Then maybe we got something. But but so far, there's nothing. I'm sorry. There's nothing in here that I've seen at all that remotely will or even should impact the presidential election. That doesn't mean that the Clinton Foundation wasn't everything that we've suspected it is. But suspecting it and proving it are two different things, Leah. Well, by the way, Bill Clinton said that uh, when... Hillary is elected president. Mm-hmm. He'll step down from the foundation. Well, oh, and he'll no longer fundraise. And, 
and that I agree is completely bogus. I uh, <laughs> and and you know what? Uh, I, I I trust Bill Clinton even less than I trust Hillary Clinton. This is a guy who, on his last day in office, stuck his finger in the face of the American people with the Mark Rich pardon, which was obviously a quid pro quo with a woman who he may or may not have been sleeping with, probably was, but definitely was taking money from. He sold pardons uh, when he was leaving office because he never anticipated, he never anticipated being in this situation (laughs) some 20 years later. Where his wife, almost 20 years later, would be on the verge of the presidency. By the way, I actually think that's part of why the Clinton Foundation was so sloppy. Because I don't think they really thought Hillary, eight years after losing to Barack Obama in a Democratic nomination, was ever going to be president. I think think they gave up on that. I think that she was enraged that she wasn't president. The way the whole thing went down, the way she was screwed over by the news media. Correct. And her whole her whole thing was to go in there and screw everybody over and get as much money as she could and get out. Well that's I, what I think we're saying, her whole purpose was. We're, we're saying basically the same thing. She because most people who become president, unlike <laughs> Are two candidates that are are right right now leading and most likely, almost certainly, will be chosen from. Most people are always, at least in the back of their mind, considering. I well, better wait, not do this. I better <laughs> not do this because I it will prevent me from being president someday. Well, yes. Be, Hillary dropped that because she thought it was over. She's too freaking old. And, and Donald, she was going to get hers. And Donald Trump never considered he was ever going to be president until two months ago when he somehow ended up with the nomination. <laughs> so so we got two people who, who never considered this, in, at least in recent times, to be a remote possibility and for good reason. All right. Uh, when we come back, I got to talk about uh, a couple things involving uh, more directly Donald Trump. And to me... Of, of the many bizarre Twitter moments that Trump has had, this weekend, I think, takes the cake when it comes to the tragic death of Dwayne Wade's cousin. We'll talk about that coming up next on the John and Leah Show. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. In the next hour of the program, I am liberally quoted in a major expose on the state of the conservative media when it comes to Donald Trump that was published a couple days ago in Business Insider. And Sean Hannity takes a shot, a rather bizarre shot. Hilarious shot, frankly, at me. So I look forward to uh, talking about that in the next hour of the program. But first, Leah, you know, I I do not like Twitter, especially for a guy who spends way too much time on Twitter on a daily basis. Because I oh my gosh, like, you're never not on Twitter. I know. Well, because it's on it's my like phone. It's like every five minutes. Well, whatever. I mean, the reality is because of my mediaite columns and and this program, you know, this is it's the best, only real way I have of publicizing uh, my work in a significant way. And so there's a lot of things wrong with Twitter. But And Donald Trump obviously has, has basically made his campaign in some ways via Twitter, and he's torpedoed his campaign in numerous ways via Twitter. 
What happened yesterday, I think, is a window into why it is that people like me do not believe that Donald Trump is qualified to be president, regardless of what his beliefs may or may not be, because, frankly, I don't know what his beliefs are. Uh, But I believe he is uniquely unqualified. And there was a series of tweets involving a tragic death of NBA star Dwayne Wade's cousin that, to me, are emblematic of everything that I believe disqualifies Donald Trump from being president of the United States. For those who don't know what I'm referring to, yesterday morning, Donald Trump tweeted the following. Dwayne Wade's cousin was just shot and killed walking her baby in Chicago. Period. Just what I've been saying. Period. African Americans will, in capitals, vote Trump! Exclamation point. Now, that's a rather extraordinary tweet on a number of levels. The first, Lee, I don't know, you probably haven't, you're going to say I'm thinking about this way too much. But one of the first things that struck me about the tweet, well, I'll get to the vote Trump part in a second, is that he believes inherently that Dwayne Wade's cousin being killed is way more significant than any other black person killed in Chicago, which happens on a daily basis. Now, why is that? Well, because it's more of a media story and because in Donald it's Trump's world, famous. if in, in, in a Donald Trump's world, if a celebrity, a rich celebrity, a celebrity basketball player has anything to do with it, even if it's just a cousin, then that inherently makes it more important. That person is somehow more valuable. They are part of a better tribe, if you will, of people because <laughs> they're related to a celebrity because he's a celebrity too. So it's almost now, like... I don't think that's what it is But well, wait a minute. Hold on. The first <laughs> words in the tweet are Dwayne Wade's, Wade's cousin. cousin. Not, yes, because we're going to hear about this in the news because you know what? We wouldn't no, but, if but why is that person... Relevant? Why is it relevant that it's Dwayne Wade's cousin? Unless unless the person... Because they're, they have a connection... Well, it's higher profile. Uh, I mean, we always hear about okay, but famous people's, you know, relatives. Again, in Trump's world, the first words of the tweet are Dwayne Wade's cousin. Not this person. This person's name isn't even the cousin's name isn't even in the tweet. So, so that's the first part of this thing that I found odd. More importantly, so you you articulate that there's been a tragedy in Chicago, which unfortunately is nothing new. Then you say, just what I've been saying. Now, that right there is borderline, okay? Not exactly the time to be saying, I told you so, but okay, because he has been talking about this. I'll give him a, a smidgen of, of leeway there. It's, what do you have to lose? Right. He, you know, he, he just his whole week, a lot of his week has been devoted to this issue of alleged African-American outreach, although I, I don't think it's been effective at all. In fact, it might not even be targeting African-Americans. I think it's probably targeting suburban white people, but... I digress. And then the last sentence of the tweet, African-Americans will, capital letters, exclamation point, vote Trump. Now, that's completely inappropriate. Com- yeah. I think I would have left it off. Yeah. Good, good thinking, Leah. But I think I would have left it off. Completely and totally inappropriate. But here's where things get bizarre and, in my mind, get way worse. So he, he writes this inappropriate tweet. And it's clear that it was him because of the he does a 
Apparently his tweets via Android as opposed to an iPhone. So then a couple of hours pass and the tweet gets deleted. Now, originally people think, oh, the campaign thought better of that really horrific ending. <laughs> African-Americans will vote Trump after you're, you're basically using a tragedy to try to get people to vote for you in, in a very direct and, in my view, inappropriate fashion for a presidential campaign. So that was the first reaction. But then guess what happens? The tweet gets immediately put back up with one alteration. The one alteration? Vote Trump now? No. <laughs> no, close. The original tweet had misspelled Dwayne Wade's name. So they then they corrected Donald Trump misspelling Dwayne Wade's name. One of his campaign workers did because it was not tweeted via Android. Yeah, it's a weird spelling of Dwayne. It is a, to, to Trump, you know, to defend Trump. It is a weird spelling of Dwayne, but, you know, it's pretty easy to Google Dwayne Wade's name, but okay, fine. You, you think when you're talking about the guy losing the cousin, you might want to look, make sure you spell the name correctly, but spelling is not Donald Trump's strong point. Remember, you know, Marco Rubio with with the uh, the, the, the uh, lightweight cho- uh, chalker. Oh. <laughs> I'm not chalker. sure if he had, had a stroke right. or if he was drunk. Right. Okay, so spelling's not. Donald Trump's strong point. So they put the entire tweet back up. Somebody at the campaign did just spelling Dwayne Wade's name correctly. Now that to me is extraordinary because you've had a couple of hours, the campaign did, to go, you know, this is probably not a great idea to do this vote Trump uh, business at the end of a tweet about someone dying tragically while walking their baby in Chicago but let's make sure we we spell Dwayne Wade's name correctly. And then a couple of hours after that, somebody else at the campaign who has clearly stolen Donald Trump's phone then finally puts out a, a oh, by the way, although, the, by the way, wasn't technically in there. I'm, I'm putting that in there because it's basically what happened. A couple hours later, oh, by the way, condolences to Dwayne, Dwayne Wade and his cousin and their family. My thoughts and prayers are with him. Vote uh, Trump. There was no vote Trump this time. Not even a hashtag. Not enough room. Not even a hashtag for vote Trump. <laughs> now, my point here is is a couple things. First of all, this shows massive dysfunction in a campaign. It shows a guy who doesn't have impulse control that you need to be president of the United States. He doesn't have any sense of decorum. He doesn't have any class. And and frankly, Leah, and I know you know you and I never talk about this, so I don't know how you're going to respond to this. The modern-day presidency, where you stand on the issues, especially with Congress in total gridlock, may not even be the most important element of your job anymore. You are basically the face and the voice of the country. So when bad things happen, you're supposed to be the one who responds for all of this, all of us. It is a huge part of the job description in modern-day America, especially with 24-7 media. And and almost on a daily, if not a weekly basis, tragedies happen internationally and domestically that require a president of the United States to respond immediately and respond appropriately. And right. here we have a situation... Police acted stupid. Well... Go ahead. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying we don't have that now, boy, at all. He may not go off the cuff, but 
very irresponsible statements are made. Almost every tragedy. I, I, I have absolutely criticized Barack Obama for immediately going towards gun control after every single mass shooting. Right. Uh, you know the. But he's not on tra- Twitter. Tra- Trayvon, I mean, he is. Trayvon. But I don't Ma- think, hold on. Trayvon yeah. Martin could be my son. That was ridiculous. Uh, Barack Obama has committed numerous massive errors in this area. However, however, uh, it is my belief that if Donald Trump was ever president of the United States, it would actually be worse in the realm of responding to tragedy uh, than what Barack Obama has presented over the last eight years. And this episode, I believe, proves it. Hour number three coming up next on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.